1: Welcome to a Wednesday podcast of the Nerdist, episode number two thirty-five. That I was really hoping you would back back up sing right there, Katie.
2: Oh, I don't sing.
1: So I, I mean, you listen to what I did. You think?
2: <laughs> would have been way worse.
1: Here, try it. Just nope. all you. No, here's all you have to do. After I say two thirty-five then you just wait a beat and then you just go 235 okay okay welcome to a episode of the nerdist podcast number 235 235 see that was wrong with that that was fine that was fine not amazing but it was good all right it was good am i saying you should go start doing karaoke of course not (laughs) but it was pretty good what you just did there so you got some real Thank you. you got some real almost talent there kid. <laughs> Thank but what goodness. you got to do is really like push it really hard. Try it. 235.
2: 235. I like it. Right.
1: It sounded a little like you were pooping.
2: Yeah. It did. <laughs> I don't
1: know why you would shout out numbers
2: <laughs> every pooping.
1: Every time I poop they I count their poops? I just count them. I just count them. I'm up to <laughs> I'm up to 20,042. Someone in the world has oh. to have done that. Someone. Rule 34. Someone has to have done that at some point. (laughs) It's counted all their poops. Uh, Now let's just take a pause for a second before I get to the sponsor part of the (laughs) intro. (laughs) Really? You went from poops to our product? It doesn't matter, because this episode is brought to you by Audible.com, and they're cool. They don't mind. Visit Audible.com slash Nerdist to get a free audiobook download. They have thousands of books available. One book that I cannot recommend enough is uh, Baratunde Thurston's How to Be Black. So get in on audible.com. He actually narrates it himself. He's got a good voice, too. Baratunde's got a good... He just has a good... He's got a good uh, uh, resonance to his voice. I'm kind of jealous of it.
2: It's very calming.
1: It is calming. So you could get that calming book, How to Be Black, from Baratunde Thurston. Again, that's audible.com slash Nerdist for your free audiobook download. Okay, this episode. It's Richard Iwade. Oh, let's see. The IT crowd, Submarine, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Also, sincere apologies for my accent. But, uh, Richard, and listen, we've had. Obviously some, you know, people on the show that we super, super, super nerded out over, but I've never seen Jonah flip out so hard when he found out that Richard Ayoade was going to be on the podcast. Uh, There was a lot of all caps in the text and a lot of uh, question marks with exclamation points built on top of one another. That's got to have a name, right? An exclamatory question mark? I don't know. Anyway, uh, this guy was so sweet and wonderful and he's brilliant, and if you're not familiar with who he is, then just look him up and start watching everything he's been a part of. He comes from that kind of, that cluster of brilliant British comics uh, that Chris Morris is sort of the godfather of. So uh, it, was, it was a real, real tremendous honor to have him on, and uh, he turned out to be a, a wonderful guy. So here you go. Here's Nerd's Podcast with Richard Iowade. Episode number 235. Also make sure and watch Richard's latest movie, The Watch, opening July 27th. Starring Vince Vaughn, Jonah Who, Ben Stiller, and our pal, Johnny Pemberton. Now I'm even sorrier for this voice. Alright.
2: Now entering nerdist.com.
1: have started. Hey, Jonah Ray. Hey. Sitting to Jonah immediate right is Richard Ayoade. Please tell me I said that correctly.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it's good, good, good.
1: I I feel bad for someone with a name like yours coming to the States and talking to American press to just imagine how
2: butchered that becomes. Oh, no, it's fine. I've lost. Confident in how it's pronounced myself. I don't know. <laughs> And that could be the correct pronunciation. It doesn't really matter. It's fine. Just you is a fine moniker.
0: <laughs> hey, you. Mm. Hey, Guy. Plus, all mm. of those guy Awade. Yeah. Guy Awade. Good.
1: You, uh, we are big fans of yours, and so we were thrilled right. that you agreed to come on our podcast.
2: Well, thank you. But I haven't agreed to come on. I am... Um, you want to let us know I'm when you here. do? Yeah. Okay. I'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. So this is this is going to
1: be sort of a we'll, we'll do a post game wrap up after yeah. the podcast.
2: This is an interview.
1: We'll break it. De- oh wow! I feel and I feel like the the sort of the, the British accent kind of makes me feel more subjugated in a weird sort of way. Like I I, I do I want to impress you. Mm. We want to impress you on this show. Good.
2: Well. We're, we have an excellent track record at being cruel, dismissive, and unfeeling. But, um, luckily, my personal racial lineage has got nothing to do with it, so I can I can have the accent without any of the ancestral guilt. Excellent. <laughs> well, you're
1: is it is it uh, is it you're half Nigerian, half Norwegian? Is that correct?
2: Yep, another one. So yeah, we like to hang out together. All the Norwegian-Nigerian <laughs> kids, we don't really go out of that group.
1: There must so it's be. It's a
2: hard click to get into. I tried in high school. Yeah, it's very exciting when N comes around in the Olympics. As it <laughs> <laughs> you, get to, you get two teams. Actually, technically it's, three teams that yeah. you get to root for. It's a great letter for me. Um, and yes, I can also, yeah, root for. I love sports. And it's just a great time for me. Do you like all the the, the kicking, oh, um, throwing, and the running, the throwing, and yeah, the, yeah. The, thr- the hurling. There's a lot of sticks that people throw
1: yeah. and then oh, jumping wow. into sand.
0: I like it when they get the, all the points.
2: Oh, and the hammer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> great.
2: <And laughs> what sport does a hammer? The hammer. That is a sport. Throwing the hammer. Oh, that's what is the thing? What you? Well, they throw-
1: they spin around. They, all, is all, that what that's
2: called? Yeah. Spinning around the hammer. All I
1: know about the Olympics is what I learned playing track and field on the Nintendo Uh, on uh, in the arcade when I when I was a kid. That's how I know the hammer throw. But I think it's I mean, it's talk about a setup that that made sense like 2000 years ago. I think they were literally just trying to knock the gods off Olympus. Yeah. With uh, with tools and we still do it.
2: Within two and a half turns. <laughs> yeah, so good. You are you going back to London tonight? Um yes, I am. Yeah. It must be
1: a not a fun time to be trying to navigate London.
2: Um I, well, I've been filming outside London in a town called Wokingham. So I haven't been there for about three months, so I have no idea what's going on in London. Well, I know, you know, I've had kind of cursory access to the media. But um I'm not involved in in having to navigate the town. I think it's okay to just just step over cars in the central London. Okay, good. Yeah, I've no. Is there? I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's being handled admirably. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of. I was
1: there six months ago, seven months ago, and it was a nightmare. Even then, just preparing for the Olympics.
2: Yeah, well, we like to get stressed about you know anything, so it's good if leaves fall. We find it very <laughs> perturbing. Now, I feel
1: like the, that, that that maybe there's a bit of a sense that the Brits like to get stressed and perturbed about things, but then they internalize it. Yeah. And then that turns into a rage ball that someday may come out. Or just come
2: out as a polite cough. But, um, <laughs> With a whole lot of subtext to it, yeah. that cough. I oh, beg your pardon? There's yeah. a lot of subtext to that mucal dispellation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know... That we're amazing. I, I obviously speak on behalf of the nation, as you know. Yes. That's why you're here as an ambassador for yeah. the podcast I'm, world. I'm here as a precise representation of everyone in Britain, <laughs> but also to and judge us, to take back oh, judgments. Yes, yeah. 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 take that as read. I'm certainly here to judge you both individually and as a people. So we so. could we could we
1: could not do well individually, Jonah. But you and I could still score if. The American peep. Man, I, think, go well. I, I
0: think I'm gonna like do so badly I'm gonna take everyone down with me. Are you really? That's uh, that's the feeling
1: I get. Every morning when you Every wake morning, up. Every morning. Yeah. You always feel that way. <laughs> I you uh you were president of Footlights, which is un that's so amazing.
2: I mean what a what an incredible Well, it w- it was uncontested in my year. No one <laughs> no one was interested. But so, you still campaigned. No, I mean literally you you no one wanted to do it the only people who sort of vaguely did comedy in my year was kind of me john oliver and a few others and it was very uncool at the time it was when chris morris was doing you know all of that incredible stuff on yeah. the day to day and on the hour and just uh, just people trying to do alan partridge voices but being <laughs> 19 <laughs> <laughs> and, being oh that like
0: God. and that's where we met matthew uh, holness right yeah
2: but the whole thing was um, yeah ill advised uh, so yes
1: oh that's good I'm glad everyone because in the states in the late 90s every comedy sketch improv person was trying to do uh, that Chicago accent from Second City right and like the the Chris Farley you know yeah uh, and then it's it's I'm it's pleasing to me to know that you had your version of that and it was the Alan Partridge voice.
2: Yeah, that was the smells like Teen Spirits <laughs> voices. Then everything changed. And sort of is still, just, yeah. Everyone did that.
1: But for people who don't know, Footlights is the it's it's sort of the. I mean, I guess you would call it a drama club, maybe, but it's like a hundred and thirty-year-old performers'
2: club at Cambridge. Yeah, which has a sort of undeserved um ability to put on shows because it housed some geniuses before and um and you know some people who are really great and so when you're in it you just feel embarrassed (laughs) that you're even kind of nominally saying that you're associated with these other people which you just aren't except through you know a name and you're pretty, I mean, I was, uh, you know, unforgivably bad and, you know, haven't particularly transcended that since. And so it's, yeah, it's just embarrassing. You know, Peter Cook was in it and Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and, yeah. you know, half the Python guys. Yeah, yeah, those are really funny people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the, embarrassing. That right there is culturally
1: the most significant difference I think between the Brits and the Americans. Is the Brits, even when they're it's I, I, from my perspective, even when they're doing something that does say, "Hey, look at me! I'm doing this thing." There's still a sense of please don't look at me doing this thing. Whereas in America, we would have glommed onto that. I'm in footlights. Here's my Footlights sweatshirt. Here's my footlights hat. Like yeah. we are very braggadocious about our associations.
2: Well, it's I. Different people have different responses to it. I, you know, in my year, it was, no one really wanted to do it. It had fallen very out of fashion. And just the kind of comedy that was around was so, like from the eighties had really moved on. And it it suddenly felt very elitist or snobby or, you know, just something to be somewhat ashamed of. (laughs) Just because you, you just had completely unearned <laughs> privileges, you know, you just like footlighted a show in Edinburgh every year to in a like a three hundred seater theatre of, of unknowns, you know, completely unknown comedians. Did you still have to flyer for it and stuff? Yeah, we flyered. And <laughs> we didn't have butlers. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but it's just you know it was booked on the strength of the name, and you know, you these other comedians who had been doing. Comedy for five years and worked stuff up and had great renown. Were you know in a hundred-seater theatre, so you instantly felt kind of guilty and awful and undeserving. And I mean, you really were undeserving of it. But there was a a kind of curiosity that someone might spot someone who might be, you know, as good as she Laurie, and that doesn't happen very often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is is there any kind of a uh process for getting into footlights or or do you just say i'm just going to start showing up to things
2: it's kind of the latter you just start showing up i mean there's a generally there's um they have a president and they have auditions and when you go in the first year people audition sketches and there are these things called smokers where people try stuff out and but yeah it's like auditioning for any drama club really I remember the first time I ever heard of
1: Footlights. It was on an episode of The Young Ones, where they did like some sort of a college quiz bowl, and the competing team was called Footlights College, and it was like Emma Thompson and I think Hugh Laurie and yeah. and uh, Stephen Fry. and Stephen Fry, and it, it was uh,
2: they were just obnoxious, <laughs> totally obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, pocos. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, not utterly undeserved.
1: Would you, what's the analogy to that? Do you think it's the Lampoon, the Harvard Lampoon genre? Uh,
2: yeah,
0: it seems... Because it, it is through the college, right? It's through the university?
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, like, I, you have to be a student there to be a part of Footlights? Sort of, although you can... Like, Tim Key wasn't, and he, he was in Footlights. <coughs> and, um, you know, some people... Like, I think Sacha Baron Cohen... Went, he went to Cambridge, but wasn't in Footlights, maybe? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, because so, the, the Harvard Lampoon... And the Harvard Lampoon is... Uh, It's more of a, it's a, it's a rag. It's it's not a performance place. So, yeah. But it
1: is sort of, it's, it's that, that's their version of the comedy institution. Yeah, that's the, of Harvard. The highbrow comedy institution. Simon Bird was in Footlights too, from Inbetweeners. Oh, really? He was a totally sweet guy. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was.
1: (laughs) I was, uh, (laughs) I was in the UCLA Comedy Club. (laughs) Doesn't even exist anymore. I took a TV class at Santa Monica community college.
0: Well, that's how you got into the business. How, that's how I got into the business, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> you, so you
2: worked with Chris Morris and, and, and that that cluster I, of... Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, very uh, intimidating when that happened. Because, he you know, I know him now, which is strange, but um, he was and is utterly revered and um, seen as just a kind of mythical figure. What <laughs> was the, the first thing you worked at? Was it Nathan
0: Barley? Yeah.
2: And you when i don't know how it works now but you don't really ever get the part in a film he or a thing that he does you just some at some stage stop auditioning so you have about nine auditions and then it starts to film and you go oh maybe i'm in it <laughs> so it's that How was he in a room to audition for i mean initially i was sort of you know you're I found it very intimidating because I completely idolised him, and you know, still do. He's he's great. So it was just very intimidating and just yeah. odd. But he's the complete opposite, probably, of what people would expect, and that he's just incredibly nice and welcoming, and you know, he's he's great. He's what he's one of the truly undisappointing people, which sounds like very faint praise, but you know, when you think of someone as a kind of magical unicorn and he he just is better than you'd expect you know he's just great
1: have you seen four lions
2: i've not seen four lines it's a beautiful
1: fucking movie yeah he's yeah. great he's, he's really really, really good i mean i was a huge fan of uh day today and brass eye and yeah um which you know i had to i saw in london and when i was in london year, years ago and then had to get the, uh, had to convert my, had to use one of my conversions on my computer to be able to watch the region. Oh, that's right. one, the,
0: one of the because you can only do it. You five can only do times. it like five times. Yeah,
1: uh, but it was don't totally. Really... To have region free DVD
0: players here, do they? Um, yeah. I do, just because a long a while back it was just when yeah. getting into it, was just it made the process easier. I wasn't really a computer guy, but you can just buy those uh,
1: little Kobe. Yeah. You know, no region. But for... Americans are so unforgivably America centric. And I right. think you know part of that, part of that is just because of the, the, the geography of our country. We're fairly, fairly
2: isolated. There's a lot here as well. Yeah, you're not, yeah. you're not silly to rely on your own resources. Well, it's mostly the many same many throughout, them. though. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, whereas it's topography.
1: <laughs>
0: that's that could be. We got mountains and beaches got
2: oceans, and got a couple of oceans. Yeah,
1: a, we have a bay, I think. Yep. There's some boats a, probably. A sound. Space. There's a sound. There's a sound. Puget Sound. Yeah. I don't know how many sounds we have. Got a couple of deltas. Oh. It's a couple of deltas in the Mississippi region. But just being able to be in Europe and you know, and within the course of the day, see several different countries on a train is pretty is pretty yeah. remarkable to us.
2: Sure. Yeah. You know, there's stuff in Europe. I'm not going to deny that. But <laughs> there's, there's also, you know, a, a lot here. But to me it seems And why would you not have a region free DVD player it just seems so odd.
0: Yeah. It's easy. that's how I was able to uh get into uh, Nathan Barley and Garth Marenghi and I'd Garth man of, Marenghi man to man yeah.
2: and stuff like that. Well, well, criterion that's why I have to have it be a light, it'd be impossible. It'd be unthinkable <laughs> not having Criterion DVDs. What would you do? Well that's another
1: that's another <laughs> I mean British comedy for us is so It's such a universe, and, you know, for instance, spinning off, you know, spinning off Dean Lerner from Garth Marenghi into his own show, that sort of tangentialism that British television has where they go, oh, we, you know, we did six or ten episodes of this one show. Here's this other character, and we're just going to spin off a thing with that guy, or we're going to follow Alan Partridge further in his life. Like, that, that idea seems like so much fun to play with because here we just get locked into... Let's just do 12 seasons of this one show Mm. because it was successful for a season.
2: I think it's probably a lot of grass is greener though because I think English people would you know, look at things like Cheers and that are incredible and fully develop you know, one amazing kind of premise and it's filled with these great characters and they have time to develop it and you know, they have the resources to keep it going and and often those things in England are done out of necessity because no one can survive off doing six shows. You know? Sure. <laughs> and so they end up having to do other things and you can't get the people back because they're in the middle of the other thing. Or by the time you get them back, no one cares <laughs> anymore. Right. Well, um, So, is yeah. there, what are the rumors of uh, there being a
0: second series of Nathan Barley? I don't know. Because do I've been hearing about it for like five years,
2: I think. I'm not... Yeah, I don't. I think they were talking about it for a while, but I'm not sure where they're at with it. Like Charlie Brooker's, he's doing this thing called Black Mirror now, which are these sort of one-off dramas, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I read about that. Yeah, so he's doing them and Chris is, you know, he's always doing something. So I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they do.
0: Whether yeah, they'd... it would be interesting to catch up yeah. with everybody and see, like, you know. How much bigger and like much more popular Nathan Barley could have gotten, or yeah,
2: like yeah, who knows what they'll do, yeah
0: what i i I heard a a story, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but that um there was originally they picked up Garth Mergue for two two series, and no. it wasn't No. okay, well, like so like you did you guys plan on just
2: doing the six episodes, and then spinning it off, or was that a I mean not really um no, it, it's always weird to talk about it without Matt because we've never talked about it <laughs> sort of ever um, out of character, which oh. people <laughs> were always delighted when someone would say, you're on the phone now with Garth and Dean, and you can hear them go, "Oh." <laughs> so they realized they'd hear some character stuff. That's why I like the uh, the, the, the commentary
0: hat. on the this is Spinal Tap. They do oh, the yeah, commentary pretty... as Spinal Tap. Yeah, Over it's great. Minute.
2: Yeah, we did the commentary for Dark Place and Character. It's it's because it's a show about people talking about how great they are. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about that show is impossible, yeah. because otherwise, I go when we did the show about the bunch of idiots talking about how great they are. <laughs> weren't we great? To-
1: there <laughs> are so many <laughs> levels. There's so many levels. You're like, wait, oh no way! I'm doing this character, commenting on this character, and they're both that. That's part of a
0: yeah. There should be like a a ten year anniversary where there's like a you you just go through each episode as the characters looking back at the (laughs) replay of the.
2: I mean, and I certainly think the barnstorming commercial success of the first. (laughs) It'd simply be a matter of deciding whose money we'd accept first.
1: (laughs) Is there is there any sense? Because I often wonder how empowered writer-performers feel in the BBC system. Whereas, you know, here at a certain... You know, if a show is a hit, then all of a sudden the actors... Then it's like everyone bends over backwards to keep them happy. And I have, right. I get the sense in the BBC, they're like, well, we're the government and fuck yourself. You know, you don't... like. Is there... Does the perform? Do you feel empowered sometimes as a performer or do, do they sort of treat you guys as just employees?
2: Well, I think it's different. I've never... Have I ever done? I've only done. I haven't really done anything for the BBC of my own, um, and so when, because Gartering was on Channel Four, yeah. and it was on a straight. It was a slightly strange time when Big Brother was very big and popular. You had a Big Brother channel. Yeah, it was in. It was very, and so it was a slightly different climate, probably, and please kill me for using the term climate <laughs> in relation to Jonah, TV. administer the injection. Yeah. Well, I'm on the that. fence
0: about the, the term. Oh, oh my okay. God. I can go either way. All right, but, well, we'll see. No, that
2: was unforgivable <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and must be arranged. records. <laughs> the TV climate at the time was um, very interesting. So it was, just, it was weird. It, it felt a very weird time just that being on TV it was so odd. It was like, yeah, the year of the Sex Olympics or something. <laughs> And so, so Channel Four is a commercial station with adverts and all of that. So I I think the BBC's not the same as that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, everything I've done's been cancelled. What the hell do I know? (laughs) I can't sort of speak from any position other than maybe avoid what I've done. I don't know. Uh, I I'm sure someone like. Steve Coogan is empowered because he's the character and he writes it, you know, with Armando and Peter Bainham and stuff. So I've, I don't think I've been in that position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, the IT crowd,
1: they actually, I know Joel McHale was, yeah. did you, you, you do the American version too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. What was your experience like taking a, because we, we've had a long history in this, com- in this country of. You almost said company. We've which, had a long history is, in this company. Uh, the company being to, America in sure. the current climate, <laughs> yeah. uh, which i you see on the spreadsheets I've yes, laid out before you, uh, various flowcharts and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, but the idea that you know, oh, uh, we got to take this hit British show and then make it big here in the states, and they yeah. never understand. We yes, we do technically speak some of the same language, mm-hmm. but there's an entire layer of subtext and social interaction, and that is completely not the same and they and they miss they miss it a lot
2: yeah or like with the office it's 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 great you know it, I think it's it probably has a similar hit and miss rate to everything in that a number of shows that are indigenously created are also awful but there's no kind of cross fertilization story you know sure I mean I think English people managed to make a number of dire things on their own (laughs) americans make a bunch of turgid dreck on their own sometimes we take your turgid dreck and make even worse stuff and vice versa so i mean who knows what what happens and you know don't leave out australia they do it too yeah australia (laughs) belgium well the
1: classic the classic story of dutch we're gonna make your show is Coupling coming after Friends, and then America trying to bring Coupling back to the states. Yeah,
2: yeah that was odd. I never really <laughs> saw Coupling. Um, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Did, was that a no? Notary- was that on for a long time? Did they make a number? No, it no. Like a big, they, it
0: was a big bomb.
2: They they
1: piloted that show, right? Two or three years in a row, they kept trying to make it work and kept trying to make it work, and then it just never it just never worked here.
2: Yeah. I think generally, I think it's hard unless one, unless there are some people at the core of something who really care about it, I think mm-hmm. it is hard. And I think if you are adapting a show that's previously existed, it's always a bit weird because you you can't quite feel ownership of it. It's not quite come from you. It's, sure. It's always odd. Whereas I guess Greg Daniels and The Office has a very distinct, you know, I don't know, yeah. that Probably was the motor that helped it as well.
0: And well, then there's like, you know, you got you got guys like Armando Anucci that just uh, came to the States and made like a type of show that he was already kind of making, but didn't bother doing like a remake of it. Just kind of. And then he made Veep. Right. And like, it's just that that seems to be the better way of going about it. Just, you know, coming here and then building it from the ground up as opposed to just trying to alter something.
2: But I think didn't the year before? I think they made another version of the thick of it and it didn't work. Oh really? I, I think I definitely did another pilot earlier and it didn't work out and wasn't I think what he wanted. So you know, I think these it's hard I think to make something. What do you what do you wor-
1: I mean, obviously you're you're the watch. You're in the watch mm-hmm. with the uh, with Ben Stiller and. And, yeah, uh, and Johnny
0: Pemberton and
1: John, Johnny Pemberton's
0: oh, yeah. in the movie. Yeah, he's like he's featured pretty uh, pretty big in the trailer. Oh, that's
2: fantastic.
1: Yeah. And Jonah Hill.
2: Yeah, yeah. Johnny Pemberton, the he's
1: the youngest looking, the, the boy yeah. wonder. It's incredible. Even with a mustache, you're always like, wipe that off your face, kiddo. Yeah, yeah. he's a good kid. He makes beer.
0: <laughs> he started making his own beer. Really? Yeah. Age-defying beer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. funniest thing too is like the kind of music he listens to is like the oldest, timey music. Yeah, It's like his whole thing, his whole record collection, just 45s, like of old garage bands and blues stuff.
1: It's like one of those guys that you probably like in uh, in Capone's court, there's like one like a baby face Nelson kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> you're like, yeah, look at that. Look at that kid. And then before you know what's happening, he's cut you in half with a yeah. Tommy gun. A killer. He would be an excellent killer because you'd never see it coming.
2: Yeah, well, he's he's. He he should maybe look at that. <laughs> That's a thing to develop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah. He was a he was a thoroughly pleasant fellow. He said the same thing about you. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, I liked him a lot.
0: Yeah. He said you have a uh, you have a lot of opinions on cheese.
2: I don't. But let's say I do. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, maybe he was talking about. Yeah, I was trying just to find non-orange cheese in America. (laughs) So Um, you do have an opinion. Why American! Yeah, But, yeah, it's kind of... Oh, maybe, yeah, it's odd, because everything's, like, pasteurized, isn't it? It's all... Yeah, it's bright. Yeah. It's good. You can locate it in the dark. (laughs) Thanks, Louis Pasteur, you dickhead. Yeah. Fucking ruined our cheese. But it is a bit odd. No cheese should be able to bounce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but our cheese has to last... For really? decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has a nuclear half-life of, you know, 75 <laughs> years. If
1: there is a nuclear blast, you are to uh, yeah. make a cheese suit. Yeah. yeah. Keith Richards and American cheese.
2: Are the
1: <laughs> <many things> that, <laughs> that you, If you can get behind either one of those things to absorb the yeah. majority of the blast. Cockroach, American cheese, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Pemberton. Yeah. Johnny Pemberton. Who is, eats probably a lot of the yellow cheese yeah. and therefore has adopted many of its properties. He is yeah. bright. <laughs> he is. And adorable. Yeah. There was one our, our email newsletter went out today, and the, uh, the idea was, you know, here are five British shows that should be brought back. Right. So I kind of wanted to get your opinion on these, it's, if you've seen them. Okay. Sapphire and Steel. Did you ever see Sapphire and Steel?
2: I've, I haven't seen as much as I'd like, but sure, I've, I've probably seen one.
1: David McCollum and Joanna Lumley played Elements Made Human who investigated frightening supernatural events caused by rips in the fabric of time.
2: It has a good title sequence, I remember.
1: It's like a total, like, the most 80s-looking title sequence you could ever imagine. Blake 7? That one I don't know.
2: I never really watched Blake 7. That and Doctor Who I never ever saw.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'll be okay. Okay. Uh, Robin of Sherwood, the 80s. The 80s, Robin of Sherwood. Oh, I remember that one uh i think so. Oh, uh maybe
2: yeah that's pretty good
1: the tripods
2: Uh huh. i
1: didn't know that one okay mid-80s tv adaptation of john christopher's war of the worlds planet of the apes hybrid only covered two-thirds of the story it said so they were they were asking for a remake wow and of course red dwarf
2: these are quite specific shows. these are very specific there <laughs> are three the sci-fi i feel like i
1: know a lot of good British stuff, and those three. I I mean, I knew Sapphire and Steel, but I didn't know those three. Red Dwarf, of course. Right?
2: Is that the consensus? That's the kind of votes have been counted, and it was those. No, I think it was just uh, that's one dude. Just that's one guy. Okay, fine.
1: That's one guy who wanted to see these these shows remade. And and there are. uh, Did Red Dwarf get remade, or it's uh, it's being, or they're they're doing another set of them?
2: Maybe they're just still doing them. I think so. Is that popular here, Red Dwarf?
1: With comedy nerds, yeah. I think maybe not. The the majority of the population probably wouldn't know what you were talking about. But I think for those of us, I mean, the thing about the thing about the kind of comedy nerd thing is that in the 80s, before we had Internet, people like myself would seek out British comedy because it was it was just more. There there was a quest in finding it to begin with that was satisfying and just the idea that it was just drier and more academic and. Like, you know, like I've said a million times before, the first time I went to London in like 96, I expected all British comedy to be this really brilliant academic kind yeah. of. And then it, and then I found out that most of it was not like that.
2: You went to John Clare? or so what happened?
1: <laughs> I don't remember what I saw. It was just okay. just between some of the stuff that I some of the sitcoms that I saw and then just going yeah. to some comedy clubs and being like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just like this is like middle America here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This, that, that can happen <laughs> do you do stand up no, i I did for a brief period of time to an alarming level of mediocrity, and yeah i I was not good at stand up it's hard there's maybe eight good stand ups ever yeah it's really hard to be good at it well there's
1: also there seems to be kind of a stand up comedy boom in London right now, yeah. Which is <coughs> it's huge, kind of the antithesis of what's going on here, where a lot of comedy clubs have closed down. Oh,
2: really, okay, no, it's quite there. Yeah, there's there's a stand up show on TV that was very popular,
0: and they're, uh, <coughs> they're also re- they're making uh, the set list into a show. Oh, they're the-
1: doing set lists? Yeah, in England, have you seen set hmm It's an improvised stand up show.
2: Oh, right, okay.
1: And it's it when it works, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, but when it does, does when it doesn't work. Still fun, like the time I did it. Oh, really? <laughs> I do not have a good set. Uh, it's good tough. Set.
0: That's the thing. It's a gamble.
1: I know. Yeah. That's you know.
0: It's Matt Kirschen. He's the best I've seen at it. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Um, are you <laughs> directing a? Because you have directed a lot of stuff. You directed television. Are you directed an episode of Community? You've directed yeah. some other submarine. Stuff. Submarine. Which yes, is, of course. Submarine. It's a really yeah. good movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you prefer? <coughs>
2: Um, I, I you're do, not comfortable I, with compliments, are you? I, oh, I thrive. I thrive. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I'm. I'm no good. Yes. Um, thank you. Is the polite? Answer. You're going to get hugged. I can't do it. We're going to hug you, Richard. Um, you're, you don't need to. We're going yeah. to yeah. both hug
1: um, you at the same time, and we're gonna not going to let go until you're like, "Okay, I accept the love until, that you're until giving." I
2: climax. <laughs> and, but, and then, and then for two minutes after. Good. And um, I. I'm directing something at the moment that we have three days left of filming on called um, The Double, um, which is based on this Dostoevsky book. Um, and I've uh, worked on it with um, R.V. Kareen, who co-wrote Mr. Lonely with mm-hmm. his brother Harmony. And wow. it's got Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, we're just finishing it up. Is moment. Is
1: directing just another facet of something that you enjoy or would you, would you, do you not want to perform anymore? Would you, would you be happy just
2: directing? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy, um, writing. Um, I guess that's the thing I spend most time doing, but I, I like directing, um, a lot. Performing is something I, um, do intermittently and I'm not, especially when you work with really good actors, you realize, you really ought to get out of the way <laughs> of this as a thing. So you know, I'm uh, able to sort of vaguely say things out loud in a string, but I can't really act at all. So yeah, I I, I would certainly not weep were I going to perform again. Dean <laughs> Lerner, he right. was a good actor. Dean is good. Dean's better than me, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I I'm not one of those people who can just be. <laughs> there's some people who are just good in everything and just that's their kind of natural ability that is not me I, I don't have that ability I have to be kind of forced to do something how, <coughs> did, you, how did you get into uh, making uh, music videos was it just kind of um, well that was um, I met uh, I guess Walt Films and I'd always really liked the Arctic Monkeys and they had just done some stuff with them and so it was fortuitous that I didn't really um, know what I was going to do at uh, that time, and but had always wanted to do music videos, and just I, I had a, a lucky chance to do, you know, a video for them, and so. In the timeline of it, was it like post Dean Lerner? Yeah, it was sort of around then, and um, it, it was really good timing because I, I was able to try some things out, and but they're small, and you know you from the idea of it to finishing it is a couple of weeks and so that, that was quite a good thing to be doing while I think I was writing submarines so I could still practice directing yeah a lot of people are directing hot chip videos these days <laughs> those right, guys uh, seem
1: to put out a video like every yeah, week yeah and so he's he's is uh, peter uh, sarfena so. yeah. he's done one yeah i think he did,
0: i think he did a second oh, one really? i think so recently oh i haven't seen it i think so the one he the, the original one he did is awesome was that the just one with Reggie was in? Reggie Watts was in. No, that's the second one. Uh, that's the second one. The first one is just uh, it's a, it's like a weird looking guy that just starts shooting energy, I guess, out of his
1: okay. mouth. Is that? I'm, oh, right. At the, it. they're at the concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He just starts floating around, just blazing people. Is there sort of a, uh, a, a, a cluster of that I like to imagine of just like all these great comedy people that just hang out because because Br- the British performing community is small enough.
2: I'm sure there is. Well, because you you've done so much stuff it. with like Matt Berry, yeah. and Rich and Rich Fulcher. Oh, oh yeah, Vulture yeah. You oh right, British you were guys. in the you were in the pilot of Mighty Boosh. Yes, I was. Mm. Yeah, and then I I wasn't able to do the series, um, but I mean, and not loads. I see Noel and Julian and people, but um, not really. I mean, I don't I don't really go out that much. It's a, <laughs> not that social. I Sort of see my wife, <laughs> she's pretty much the only person left who'll still tolerate me. Um, yeah, not really, I don't think.
0: No, what was the uh, what was the process of uh, making ADBC a rock
2: opera? Um, well, that was um, was that pitched as a like a one off thing that you yeah, and Matt would write? Yeah, that technically wasn't cancelled. <laughs> yeah, because it was because just a one-off. Because we got in first like, there's only going to be one. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I'm not sure if you ever saw it, but it's, uh, it's uh, basically, it's a uh, like a 70s stage play musical uh, filmed uh, special for the story of the Nativity. Uh, and Matt Berry, uh, <laughs> what was Matt Berry's character's name?
2: Uh, well, he plays Tim Wind. Like yeah. This kind of, and then he, yeah, he plays the innkeeper. Um, in it, yes, the story Nativity is uh, set from the
0: perspective of the innkeeper that ends up letting, you know, uh, Joseph and Mary
2: have Jesus in their barn. This is just a one-off special for. for <laughs> Surprisingly, this didn't make it to series. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Although yeah. I felt it could have run for at least fifty. Um, and Julian Barrett was in it as a rival innkeeper. Yeah. Um, with a very short. <laughs> uh, Get out. Toga. And so yeah, I, I it was Matt. Yeah. Kind of, Barry's idea to—he was going to do a kind of Christmas musical. He's always doing musical things, and then, and then I, then when I was going to direct it, we just kind of ended up writing it together, and he did the music. And so, yeah, yeah it was always going to be a kind of a one-off thing, really. The
1: all of the British comics that I've met—you, you and Noel Fielding and Simon Bird and and Simon Pegg and it, like mm. everyone's so s- sweet and a little shy and you know so do you find that performing is just sort of a release to step out of that a little bit <laughs> well
2: I mean and I mean all of them are sort of proper performers and I um have generally been um happy tinkering behind um proper performers so I don't know like th- there are certain things that I don't know uh, yeah I mean I I'm not naturally given to standing on the table and shouting at a party but within very strict parameters it can be enjoyable Um so like doing Dean was enjoyable because it was kind of like writing you know you have a sort of character with a Rolodex of peculiarities of some kind, and then you flip through them in a nasal voice. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I can just about cope with that. Um, but I, yeah, it's odd because people could very legitimately say, "Then why are you doing this?" And I, there isn't a good answer to that because I think it's more, I think it's more like a sort of infection making things. You know, it's not, it's not something that necessarily you're even suited to in fact i i think i did this jungian personality test and it said the one thing i should not be in is show business <laughs> <laughs> it didn't,
1: it didn't tell you what said. to do
2: it just said the one thing yeah, not it said to do not suited to <laughs> show business and in a way that is true i'm very not suited to it i think everyone feels that way though i think every good performer
1: Feels exactly the way you do. That it's like, oh, everyone's going to realize that I shouldn't be doing this. And I, there are people who are better. And I don't know. I I think uh, I I think I think more people feel that way yeah, than possibly.
2: not. I mean, I think I don't know, but I mean, I suppose why directing uh, appeals is all you really have to do is have an opinion on what you like, and I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. Yeah. As in I can go, oh, I'd like Jesse Eisenberg. (laughs) Let's ask him if he'll do this. You know, I'm quite comfortable with that and going, oh, I like that bit of what you do, you know, and I like this music here and I think this should be this long. And so that that's fine. But in terms of the kind of more, um, you know, the sense of you as a performer, I find that very hard to be objective about and. Yeah, I'm very uncomfortable with that as a idea, and you know, I'm very happy uh, to do it under controlled circumstances occasionally. But I'd find it just terrifying if that was like my job. Sure. Yeah, the one ne- thing. Yeah, I'd go. I, I mean, I would never hire me. Can you watch your own stuff? No. No. No, I can't. No, I don't watch it, and yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at auditions and just don't audition, I just refuse. (laughs) Not in a high-minded way, but just for everyone's sake. (laughs) Just to spare everyone the time. Do you feel uncomfortable when you're running an audition? Oh, I hate it, it's awful. I'll do everything to avoid making people have to read. Generally I just try and talk to people and see if they're all right, and I like, and then that's it. Yeah, that's the Woody Allen style. He just doesn't ever have them read. He
0: just well,
1: it's it's just the the audition process is weird because it's artificial, and it to have someone you know read a bunch of dialogue in that weird artificial scene. I I like yeah. that that approach. Is like you can get a sense of whether or not someone has a clue of what's going on yeah. just by talking to them.
2: I think so, and also you know there are some people who are incredible at auditions, like Chris O'Dowd. Is a me- you know, because he's a great actor, but he's the kind of person you give eight notes to and he can do them all. And you know, he just is he's just great. And but the underlying thing in any audition is, I'd like this job, or I want to n- not be told I can't have this job, or, sure. Yeah. So that exists as a oddness in the room that just makes it impossible, I think, for people really to perform right. unless you know, they're so good. I mean, its I can't imagine Chris O'Dowd would ever not get the job because he's so good. So that probably just does not exist for him. <laughs> so he's just fine. He was great in uh, Girls, his episodes of Girls. He's always good. Like, yeah. he's just never... Yeah, he's great.
1: Well, the other side of
2: it, too, is that any good
1: scene of more than one person is a relationship that is built based on whatever sort of organic energy percolates between two people. And so if you're reading with... A casting person or a producer, and they're doing, it and they're the just doing the everything like this, and then you have to somehow engage that them in this scene. Your energy is largely based on what they're doing, unless they're like huge monologues. I just I find it to be a shitty process. Yeah,
2: they're hard. and you know, people sort of feel defensive in them, which is the opposite of what you want. And yeah, I I I hate putting anyone through it. I just find it just awful.
1: What do you, do you have anything that you like to do outside of performing? What's, what, what's, what kind of,
2: Oh, nothing.
1: Just performing. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you must, no. what do you, what do you, do you
2: collect anything? I, I you have hate hobby? not performing. <laughs> I'm so
1: unhappy not performing. Um, if you're not on a stage.
2: I, I, you know, I like, uh, being at home and seeing, and, uh, you know, seeing my family and, um, I watch films and. What have you been movies. watching lately? Well, mainly just the master trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes. in laughs> I watched that thing like ten times. Yeah, I just watch that yeah. anytime I'm near a computer. <laughs> um, yeah, just the master trailer more yeah. or less. Have you seen yeah. that yet? So. I've been hearing about it but yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, Even yeah. the other weird
0: teaser one before that he put out the thirty second one. Pretty good. Yeah.
2: I yeah. sort of think he's maybe better than Stanley Kubrick now. Really? He's just so good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I can't wait for that movie
0: yeah do you see the trailer uh, for Sleepwalk With Me the Mike Birbiglia movie no it's, uh, it looks pretty good too okay. looks, yeah a lot of stylistic choices and okay yeah, I, yeah. Like
2: I don't know what I've been looking at I I watched Blowout again recently which oh doing? yeah um I like Hitchcock at the moment it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy okay. Hitch, Hitch- Hitchcock. Randy Hitchcock Hitchcock Robin Hitchcock yeah. Robin
1: the singer Robin Hitchcock singer. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he did uh, Transformers. Yep, Robin Hitchcock did Transformers. <laughs> yeah. But um, The Wrong Man, I'm really into that Hitchcock film. Oh, yeah. It was great. So, yeah, I've watched a lot of old things,
1: mainly. Yeah. Do you do you watch a lot? Do you like, do you prefer? I, I find that I don't watch a lot of comedy, weirdly, as much as I'm in the comedy business that I don't see a lot of comedies. Oh, really? I tend to just like more like sci-fi, horror, action stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't s- seek it out so much. I mean, I genuinely really like Community, <coughs> which I, I started watching because I knew Joel. But I thought, you know, I I think that's a great show, and it seems somewhat bold of them to try to do it without Dan.
0: Yeah, you we'll know. see
1: what happens. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what was it? I love everyone on the show. I hope it goes well for them.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, the cast are great. And, you know, it must be a weird feeling for them. It's got to be hard because they... Well, they have to... You, they're contractual.
1: they contractually obligated to, to show up for work. Yeah. Yeah. It's really odd. Yeah. It's actually
0: the guys that took over are the guys that did uh, oh, really? the uh, American version of the IT crowd.
2: Well, they're really nice. I mean, they're really good. Um, but it's kind of Dan, isn't it? I mean...
0: Yeah. Well, it's his show. Yeah. It's weird. It's it's a little weird.
1: Yeah. But you know what? I I mean this fucking it, the the business is hard enough. It's just sort of I don't think anyone faults them for wanting to keep their jobs, you yeah. know. And uh, you know, yeah. they're, and they're f- hilarious people. Yeah.
0: I so. mean the show's set up I think at a at a point right now where it's just they just kind of have to keep on pushing it in the same direction. If yeah. they try to alter Any of the relationships or the style choices, I think that'll. It's just, I don't know, there's so much that Dan brought, so many like layers of different things. How much in
1: British television, how much does the network get involved in the production, or do they pretty much go, you know, here's your money, just go make your thing and give it to us?
2: Oh, I don't, as I say, I've never done more than one series of something (laughs) I've been involved with writing. So, yeah, I mean, we were pretty lucky, we didn't have much interference. Even if we'd had i don't we wouldn't have listened, but that's maybe why we only got to do one series um i'm I'm just um constitutionally i can't do it i'm so counter suggestible that if someone I, I as long as you're able to um as long as it's your decision and you're not forced, I think it's fine to have as many notes as possible, but as soon as it becomes a power struggle it's just you know, useless and worthless, and it just becomes about people digging in. So Mm. I sort of think it's relatively arbitrary whether this joke or that joke. So I think you may as well have one person who cares about whether it's funny making the decision rather than one person who cares about it being popular because no one knows what's popular. So as a bet, it's better to go, I would bet with Dan Harmon, (laughs) who knows what's funny and is interested in something being funny rather than someone who tried to make something popular, which I imagine is what an executive legitimately has as a job. But just as a bet, <laughs> it would be more prudent to go with a funny person. They usually say something that
1: really interesting, which I think it, it is about how you direct, is the idea of like, well, this joke or that joke doesn't really matter in, in like the, the, when it becomes a power struggle. So when you're when you're directing are you open in that sense where you just sort of like everyone kind of pitches in and then you pick whichever is the funniest thing or do you, yeah. do you like to stick to, to the book pretty much?
2: No, I mean, you, you, you have hope for something better all the time, you know, for someone to have a better idea, which is seldom difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. The, the difficulty is, is that if the, the only reason something is in something is because it's been forced, then, that's terrible, whether it's the person in charge who has that power or anyone, you you sort of want the criteria of it to be, you know, what you think best reflects what it could be, if that's not too many clauses. <laughs> but I don't know, you just have an idea of what you think it is and what works and th- things either fit into that or not. And it's relatively, you know, it's in- it's incredibly subjective. You know whether you, th- how long is it funny, for this to happen? I right. Think you just kind of guess at it.
0: What was uh What was your experience when you were directing the community episode, the uh, the dinner?
2: I was really good. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it, and um, it was very. It was written very, you know, right up to the wire. I mean, they didn't have scripts until the night before, and for me, it was just very interesting seeing the writers' room, and I was allowed to go in and see how it worked, and yeah, I really like the show and for me, it was a great pleasure to do I was, Yeah. And it, was, it, and I didn't know it was going to necessarily be that episode when I said I'd do it and it was oh, really? Just really great for me. Because it did seem up your alley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love Louis Mal. I sort of thought this was a joke when they said this Louis Mal thing. I went, oh, <laughs> wow, okay, great, yeah. What do you think is the most essential element to
1: making something work when you're directing? Is it, is it the actors or the writing or the direction or the editing or even the lighting or the the um, sound, the music?
2: Well, I suppose they all are important, but you can't, if, if the acting's bad, that's it. You know, there's nothing you can do about it really. So yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. You know, you can have something that's not brilliantly lit and can sure. still be interesting, but yeah. Yeah, if if you've got bad acting, that's it's over. Yeah, are you avail? Are you, do
1: you have much of a, a of an online presence? I have no online presence. <laughs> so the, I mean, so I have email, but but n- otherwise none. No, there's no, no. You're not on social media. There's no. Uh... No, I'd be unconfident of even defining social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the current climate. It's mm-hmm. the way that the young people are communicating okay. across... Uh, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift from... Yeah, it's 2012 <laughs> Great. climate. Great.
2: <laughs> so what are these kids doing? <laughs> I they, don't know what the other kids are tw- doing. They're on decks.
1: They're on tweet decks and Facebookings. Good. Good. Um, no, the, I have nothing. I think that's... Uh, you know, part of me feels like, I don't know how I would exist without being interconnected in that way. And I always have respect...
2: Um, you no, know, you should try it. <laughs> I
1: don't know if I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I'm yeah. too. You
0: never thought about trying to just
1: disconnect for a little bit? Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. What are like you even those, like a... yes. <laughs> about...
2: Well, this oh, is the Matrix, you and just, down. you're just yeah, you're all you're well, all all projections of like our consciousness. Like, am like... I like the old person at the end of a rap video? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you want to do yeah. with your and then, life? And then we hand you a boombox, so and yeah. you get hit. Yeah. No. I've So, but you're massively plugged in to stuff i guess so yeah
1: yeah i don't know it's it's i mean i've <laughs> i've had computers for 30 years and been online since 94 and it's just a part when of they opened up the internet when they yeah. when they finally swung the doors open
0: i started uh, trying to just leave my phone uh, like at home or in the car when i go out now if i'm going out to hang out
1: with friends or go to a bar mm-hmm. and what if someone needs things? to find you what if you're trying to settle a bar vet and there's no Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records in the bar, or you need to know the fastest way to exit a building if it's burning? Uh, I guess key. I just have to try and feel it out. I guess. But like, it's, you're it's, gonna it, die, like everyone <laughs> did in the old days. They're all dead. You know why? No technology.
0: But it feels, if it feels good, I actually end up having a better time. Like when I'm just like talking with people and engaging. It's
1: a, it's an, it's, you should try it. The best way to hang out with people is four people at a table yeah, and everyone's faces in the their
0: phones. And then everyone takes a picture of everyone <laughs> and else. And then they're
1: tweeting so each other, but they're not actually then talking. They, then they all yeah, Instagram it. Uh, so, t- so The Watch is opening soon. Uh, August, uh, is it...
2: God, can we stop talking about that film? I'm My so gosh. sorry, I know. No. Did you want to talk about it? No, I, I mean... I'm oh, probably... July 27th. Does she want you oh, to talk oh, about oh, it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's probably best... <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I don't think I'd... Um, Elevate it in any way by my voice saying things.
0: I'm looking forward to it. I've heard good things. Good. Uh, The people I've talked to that have seen it. I
2: hear Johnny Pemberton's in that movie. Johnny Pemberton. Johnny Johnny P.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, He's in it. He's good. Excellent. Uh, But Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It seems like a big high concept comedy.
1: So, my last question for you before we um, let you leave the country and go back to England is I have a question question too. So, just. Okay. okay. My question is. Have you agreed to do the podcast?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, good. I'm in it now. Good.
0: Oh, good. good. In that case, is uh, is there any projects that you and uh, Matthew Holness will ever get to work on again? Like, I do don't you guys co- ever
2: think about working together in a show I or a movie? I don't think so. It's Are you not also, friends anymore? I don't think there's anything in the pipeline. I mean, I'm just going to What's the climate this. in that pipeline? The climate is um, kind of a. I'd say it's hailing <laughs> but with patches of sun. So it's, it's sunny humid. but hailing in a p- in the pipeline. And yeah, it's humid, and, weirdly. And quite misty.
1: Yeah.
2: But also there's some it just smells bad as well. Yeah. In the pipeline. So nothing's really going on. It's out. a complex pipeline. <laughs> no no. There's nothing going <laughs> on. I'm yeah, just uh, you know, trying to bring commercial failure to other projects. Yeah, yeah. You guys are <laughs> going off separately way. to try and fail apart. Yeah, yeah. That's the aim. That's (laughs) always been the aim, really. (laughs) To spread the failure as widely as possible. Well, um, I know a
1: guy who happens to have access to creating content for the web, the interweb. Uh, And if you ever wanted to do something, this person, who could be me, would produce it. If you ever wanted to
2: go that way.
1: It's just something to take home with you. It's a long flight to, you know...
2: And i and I can take my climate metaphors as well and try and untangle them. We
1: can right. we can try to clear out good. the
2: pipeline. Well, thank you. Yeah. And get the lines of communication open. Here's well. the twist: this
1: isn't even a podcast. This is just a meeting. Good, good. This, <laughs> this is a We meeting. record all our meetings. I've pitched
2: myself admirably, I think. Um,
1: you have uh, you have such a lovely voice. We usually say something at the end of the podcast. We right. tell people to enjoy their burrito. Would you please do that for us? Because it, it sounds much nicer coming out of your face. Uh, you tell people to enjoy their burrito. You've just done it, and okay. it was gorgeous. Okay. Thank Good. you. Thank you. Should, so we're not supposed to hug you
2: really hard afterwards? I think it's safest not to. Okay. All right. Good.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks. All
1: right. Richard Ayoade.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Audible.com. Visit Audible.com slash Nerdist for a free audiobook download.